Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to be talking about what happens when we feel like God is the one who is wrong and contemplating the fact that perhaps we are the ones that are wrong. So as I was reading scripture yesterday morning, I had this verse that just popped out at me in a way that made me realize I need to stop and think about this. And then as I was reading it, I realized there's a lot going on here. And the more I dug in and the more I just thought and contemplated, I just realized I want to share this with you guys. So we're going to talk about Ezekiel 33:17, and then kind of just move into some other thoughts about our world that we live in about the polarization, and about the possibility that maybe we are the problem. That's not an overly comfortable thought, so just bear with me. Ezekiel thirty-three seventeen. people start out saying that God's ways are not just, and that was in the ESV. So I looked it up in the Net Bible, and the translation said God's behavior is not right. And as I searched up the different meanings of the Hebrew words, basically this idea of what God is doing, where he's going, is not equal. It's not measuring up to what I think it should be. It's not equitable. It's not right. And I think about this and the world that we live in, and I feel like I hear these thoughts and these perspectives quite a bit, just wondering what God is doing. And if he's really real, then he's not doing what's right. And just in the brokenness in our world around us, the sickness, the death, in the wars that are occurring right now, in the different communities that we don't agree with or that people are rejecting. There's this just this attitude of that God is not doing the right thing. He hasn't done the right thing. Or the Bible doesn't believe or say the right thing. And our world is so polarized right now in the West. We are so black and white and right and wrong and me and you. And it's not It's not okay to have a middle opinion anymore, and we're supposed to somehow have an opinion about absolutely everything. And as I said last week, share that opinion on social media so that we can have other people come around us that have the same opinion. It's so screwed up. And it's interesting that as you read Ezekiel 33, 17, the verse continues and it says, it's actually your ways that aren't right. Your behavior is not just You are not doing what is equal and it doesn't line up. I want to read it for you guys clearly together in the ESV and then in the Net Bible. The ESV says this, Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. And then the Net Bible says it like this, Yet your people say, the behavior of the Lord is not right, when it is their behavior that is not right. Ouch. <laughs> that just, it just hit hard. And I look at the people in the world right now, and we're so consumed with what we believe is a right and that we're right and everyone else is wrong. And I see this so clearly right now, even just in the polarization of what's happening over in Israel and in the Gaza Strip. And just people have very strong opinions about what they feel is right and wrong and how things should be done. And most of us with those opinions do not live anywhere near that area. We don't necessarily understand the culture or 
what's really going on there. And yet we sit back and we have these opinions about things. And we have things that we believe are right or just or equitable and things that are wrong or unjust or have inequity. And it's just kind of fascinating to me because we have these opinions about so many things. I mean, things like war, that's a really big deal. But also things like baby wearing or which version of the Bible to use. I mean, there's just so many things that we hold these very strong opinions about. And instead of being like, ah, I could be wrong. Let me hear what you have to say. We just hole up in our little bunker and yell and scream and declare that we are right. And yet this verse in Ezekiel just hits me when he's like, you know, we're saying God is not right. And it's actually us that are not right. And I just have to wonder, what if there is not one right group? What if there is not one correct opinion? What if there's just a lot of broken people who are wrong about a lot of things, but who are deeply loved by the God who created them? All of us, guys, with our different opinions and our very strong different opinions are loved by the same God who created us, who died to save us, and who longs to restore us if we will let him. And I think about our world, and I think about the way even within Christianity that it's so divided and so broken. And I think about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom is the place where the different come together, where the separated unite, and where we surround the throne of God in the end of the times as this vast and diverse people who sing one song of praise to the Lamb. And I feel like we've lost that perspective. I feel like we've lost an understanding of anything except for our own time in history. We forget about the vast differences that the disciples had. If you look through the list of Jesus' disciples, he picked some very different people to hang out with him and to be close together and to be a part of things together. You had a zealot and you had a tax collector. That is so far removed from who they would be hanging out with in normal life. A tax collector was compromising with the Romans. They were going ahead and helping the Romans to collect the taxes and to take the taxes from their own Jewish people. And the zealots were wanting to overthrow the Roman rule. So like it doesn't get much more different than that. And yet they were united around the following of Jesus of Nazareth, this rabbi who was so strange and controversial and unique and different. And they were united around him, even though they were so very different. The early church had vast differences. And Paul talks about them in Ephesians. We see in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, he talks about the unity that we have in Christ. And yet before that, he lets you know all the things that we're different about. They had men and women coming together equally. They had slaves and slave owners coming together equally. They had Jews and Gentiles coming together equally. And guys, their perspectives and their opinions were so, so different from one another. And yet they were coming together to be a part of the same kingdom, a part of the same church, a part of the same fellowship of believers who believed in Jesus Christ, that he was the son of God and he had come to save them from their sins. 
Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore the prisoner for the Lord urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love. Guys, that's a lot. He's asking them. He's like, I know you're very different. I know it's hard, but please do these things. Be humble, have gentleness, have patience, put up with one another in love. He goes on in verse three to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you two were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I just think about the brokenness and the disunity and the polarization of our world. And I wonder what it would look like if true believers in Jesus were united as part of his kingdom. If we were willing to recognize that I'm the problem, like I'm the problem here, it's me. And I'm going to change my heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. And with humility and gentleness and patience, I'm going to put up with you in love because of Jesus. He's more important than anything else. Jesus said in John 13, 35, that his disciples would be known by their love for each other. That seems like a pretty far stretch from what Christians are known for these days. What would it look like if we were actually known for our love? He says in John 13, 35, everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What does that look like? I don't think that being known for our love means that we don't stand for truth or we don't call out sin. But I think it also means that we stand for the truth, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. Not for our own understanding of truth, for our own perspectives or our own opinions. We are standing around Jesus and those very few little things that we all hold in unity together. And it also means that we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do his job, that he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That it's not necessarily up to us to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is he God? Can he do his own work? Yes. Can we love people and speak the truth to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? That they are loved, that they are valued, that they are wanted? That Jesus did everything possible to restore them to the Father? And to begin this amazing, miraculous work in their heart that restores them to the person that they were created to be? Yeah. Does it have to be about us pointing out sin and judging and condemning and no no is the holy spirit capable of doing that yes do we have to explain that we're separated from god yes but that doesn't mean we do it in harshness or in pride or in judgment we do that in love in love in humility and gentleness with patience putting up with one another too many christian people are known for everything other than their love It's so easy for us to say to God, like, God, you're wrong. This is wrong. Things that are happening are wrong. But the truth of the matter is, no, we are wrong. We are doing this wrong. It's easy for us to say, God, you are not being just. But guys, we are the ones who are not being just. We can say, God, you are not being equal in your way that you're doing things. But no, we are the ones who are not being equal in the way that we are doing things. We are judging and condemning people and deciding that we are better than other people. And we are being the ones who in pride and in selfishness and in arrogance 
and in condemnation are judging the world when that's God's job. That's Jesus' job. He will judge the world. We need to recognize how broken we are, that we're the ones with the problem, and that we need to come to Jesus in our own humility and our own brokenness, recognizing that he is the only one that can save us, and then offering that grace and love and understanding to those around us. To be okay with differences, to not be afraid by differences, and to move into those places of difference with grace and humility. Learning, listening, recognizing that I might not be right. And that that's okay. It doesn't have to be a scary thing to recognize that. With humility to recognize, hey, just because my perspective says it's this way does not mean that that's how everybody sees it. And can I learn a new way? Can I learn from someone who is different than me? This was the beauty of the early church. It was so diverse. It was so incredibly different. And yet people were coming together around one thing, and that was the person of Jesus Christ and what they believed about him to be true. And I'm just so curious what would happen if we could reject the polarization of our world and if we as believers could unite around the person of Jesus Christ and those core creeds of the faith that we've believed for thousands of years. And if we could be people who have this attitude of gentleness, humility, patience, and that we put up with one another in love, I think things would be vastly different. And I think that in our world where everything is so polarized and is so angry and tense, that we would stand out and people would recognize that we are the disciples of Jesus by our love. So that's just my challenge for you guys today. I'm convicted. I'm going to stop telling God that he's the one that's wrong. I'm going to recognize that my own heart is wrong, that I'm the one with the problem, and that I'm the one who needs to be willing to change, to reach out to the Holy Spirit, to repent, to recognize that I'm wrong, to change my mind, and then to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change and transform my heart and make me into the image of Jesus Christ. I hope that is challenging and encouraging and convicting to you today, and I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylinwood.substack.com for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.